have the title deed for heaven. All right? But as believers, we know that if we said to you, okay, the Bible says you're healed. And I say, well, when are you healed? Well, when I feel better. Okay, so why does the basis for faith work for heaven but not work for healing? Why does it work for salvation? You believe that, but it doesn't work for prospering, as the Scriptures teach us, that we'll prosper and be in hell, even as our soul prospers. You say, well, because I don't feel it. Well, you don't feel heaven. The only way you know you're going to heaven is because of what you read in Scripture. You say, well, I have the Spirit in me crying out, Abba, Father. Well, okay, that's great. But you only know that because the Scriptures tell you that. You can't know about God apart from the Word of God. And, all right, because He reveals Himself to us in the Word. I mean, this isn't, this isn't deep. This is just, look, this is practical application of our faith that we take and we, we begin to change things. So, you know, it's like I was talking to somebody the other day about, you know, my children. You know, I'm believing some things with my kids. And I'm, I said, and they said, well, how do you get through all of the difficulties? Because I'm resting in the promise, the title deed that I have that in Proverbs, where it says in chapter 22 and verse 6, that if I train them up in the way they should go, when they're old, they will not depart from it. That's not my problem now. That's God's problem. You say, but they're acting all crazy and doing insane weird stuff and, 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 and they're getting into trouble. It's still not my problem because my trust and my faith is in the title deed of what God said. So you say, well, when is, that, when is that promise mine? Well, it's mine right now or it's not faith because if it's not now, <laughs> it's not faith. It can't be. It's postponed out there. So, you know, so we do that with healing. We say, well, you know, I'm just believing God for healing. Well, when is it yours? When do you receive it? When does it, when does it be, go from being God's to being yours? Now. It has to be now or it's not faith. You say, well, I don't feel anybody. We're not talking about how you feel. You don't feel like you're going to heaven. I mean, look, you can't, you can't feel your way into heaven, all right? Your body feels like it's heading to the grave. But the truth is, you're heading to the heavens. You're heading into glory. You're, you, you have the promises of God. Your body will try to tell you stuff that it doesn't want to do. It doesn't want to, you know, that it's not happening. It's not going on. And so what ends up happening is we get locked down in that. And then, of course, when faith dissipates, you lose hope because you gain hope through faith. And uh, when you lose hope, now you're in trouble. So, well, Pastor, I just, I don't know the thing with healing. I pray for healing. You don't pray for healing. You believe for healing. Okay? Because if I say I pray for healing, now we do, you know, I'm not saying that we don't ask, but once you, when we've put it there before the Lord and we're trusting in what his word says, then it is gone from me having to ask God for it to me receiving what God has given to me. 
Faith begins where the will of God is known. You say, well, do you feel 100% pastor? It, I don't care how I feel. It doesn't matter how I feel. What I feel like is what God has said is true. You're making me work awfully hard. You guys are usually the lively bunch. Oh, it's, that's what faith is. He said, look, it's your title deed. You got it. You got the information you already have received. You say, well, I don't, you know, I'm just praying it's God's will to heal me. No, you don't have to pray. If you see it in the word, then God has declared that his healing is for you. Amen. And he's not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. He is a respecter of faith. So here's the key to unlocking your faith, and, uh, and so I'm going to help you with this. The first one is lock number one is uncertain hope, uncertain hope. Now, of course, uncertain is, is that, well, I, you know, is when we pray and we say, I hope that God will do this, or I hope that God will help me, or I hope that God will heal me, or I hope that God will do What you're doing is when, you, when we say, I hope that that will happen, is we're making it uncertain. We're, we're taking hope and we're making it an uncertain attribute that it's really in God's hands. It's really God, whether God wants to or God doesn't want to do it, okay? And we've, we've done good at this in church when we say things like, you know, well, if it's God's will to heal me, he'll heal me, or I'm going to pray for you and the will of God be done. But look, when we know what God has said in his word, then we know what his will already is, what his will already is. But an uncertain hope will keep uneasiness in our life, even as we read the scripture, because what will happen is, even though we're building our faith by looking at what the word says, if we have an uncertain hope, we're not sure in the character of the one that we're putting our faith in. We're not sure of the character of the one because hope is, a, is, put, into a, uh, is put into a character or a nature or attributes of who God is, what God has, and what God will do. And so when I say, I hope that God will do this, then what I'm saying is I don't know him well enough to know whether he will do this. And that's good preaching right there. So how do we unlock that certain hope? Here's the key. By having a certain steadfast hope in God. Hebrews 6.19 says this in the, in the New King James. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil, okay? Behind the veil. Listen to this out of the Passion Translation. This is really awesome. We have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat which sits in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold. Now, if you turn with me, go over there to the book of Hebrews 6 with me real quick. I want you to see this in your Bible or a Bible. Hebrews chapter 6. Look at verse 13 with me. Now, this is right before 19 there, obviously. For when God made a, made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Okay? 
So when God says something, he swears by himself, right? He said, I'm going to give you a child. You're going to give birth to a child. You and Sarah will have a child. And in his saying that, attached to it is that I say it, I mean what I say, I do what I say, and I'm swearing by myself. My testimony is that I don't lie. Are you with me? Now look, we know Abraham was 25 years waiting for this deal, right? I mean, it was 25 years before the promise happened. So look at what it says here. Saying, surely blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. So after, and so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. All right, when was the promise true? Right now. That's faith, right? The promise is true right now. Did he go through some stuff? Did he cause some stuff himself? Sure he did. But in the midst of all of that, the waiting, the patiently enduring, going through the difficulties that he did, he finally obtained the promise, and here's why he obtained the promise. He said, For indeed men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. And, you know, we we don't do this so much in our world because words don't hold the same meaning in our society, but it used to be that if you told somebody something and you said, I swear to God, right? You know, if you stood up and did the oath, you know, and said, I don't even know if they do this, so help me God, or whatever at the end, you know, in the oaths that they do in court for witnesses, you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, so help you God, that you're swearing that your word is absolutely going to be true to the best of your understanding. Means you won't lie, okay? Means you won't lie. So he's saying, when God says here in Hebrews, he said, the indeed for men indeed swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, that's you and I, the immutability, the unchangeable, the, the immutability means the unchangeableness that he's not fickle. You're fickle. He is not fickle. Okay? He's not changing. He's not shifting here. It says that the immutability of his counsel, he confirmed it by an oath that by these, by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we could have strong consolation. So, Watch what's happening here. He's saying, look, the two, God says something, and God, in everything that God says, is attached to it. The second immutable, unchangeable thing is as if God said it, that's what he meant. And the second thing is, he doesn't lie. And there's two immutable things. So when God says healing is yours, he also attaches with it, I'm not a liar, I'm going to heal you. And so what you and I do now, we have strong consolation. You say, yeah, but if it was true, why am I not ex- having my miracle right now? Because, look, because you're trusting in what you're feeling more than you're trusting in what God has said. And I don't mean that negatively. I'm not being picky at you or whatever. I'm just saying that's what we do. That's what Abraham did, right? He saw his situation and said, it's not happening. 
He had to work through it. The good news with Abraham is, is that he continued to work through it. So it's not about that you're, you look, you say, well, I'm struggling. Good. It's when you quit struggling, we got a problem. And I've had people come up and say, well, it's just not God's will for me to have that in my life. All right? What are you basing that off? I'm not receiving it. I'm not having it happen. But did God say it in his word? Yeah, well, he said it for others, but he didn't say it for me. You're believing a lie of the devil because the truth, the truth is for all. And he is not a respecter of persons. And if you've developed an attitude in your life that God is a respecter of people and he's going to bless Mike more than you because he's blessed because he likes Mike better, that's a flat-out lie. God does not like Mike better. He loves all his children exactly the same. And all the promises are to those who believe, not to those who are better. Wow. So we're going to go through stuff while we're believing. I mean, why would we think we wouldn't? Look, you go through stuff while you're believing for heaven, but to get to heaven. You're going to go through things where it's going to seem like you're like, man, I'm not acting very safe today at all. But that doesn't mean that the promises still isn't true. doesn't mean you have to run back to the altar and get re-saved just because you didn't feel saved. You know, we could fill the altar every week. I mean, I could clothesline preach and just get on everybody's things that they're doing, stuff you're doing, I know you're doing, and just begin to pick at stuff and tell everyone that you're hanging in the balance of going to hell or heaven and put that pressure constantly every single week. Now, those of you who are a little more mature are just not going to go for it, but there are people that will hear that every week and think, i got to go get saved again. I was one of those people. I think I got saved at least 30 times, right? I've been baptized at least five because I didn't understand that it was mine whether I feel like it or not, whether I feel like it or not. So he goes on and he says in verse 18 that by these two immutable things and which is impossible for God to lie, it is impossible for God to lie. Let me say it again. It is impossible for God to lie. Let me say it so you get it. It is impossible. What does impossible mean? It cannot happen. So if something isn't working, it's not God. It's not God. You don't think Abraham thought God changed his mind? I'm sure he did. He struggled with it, just like we all do. But the thing is, is that he remembered. The Bible says, and then he gave glory to God, remembering that he didn't grow weak in his faith, he grew strong in his faith. He didn't lose his faith, but he did. He, look, his faith did get kind of out there a little bit, but he still grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, believing the one who had spoken and what he had promised was his is his we have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hopes that before us this hope we have is an anchor of the soul that is sure and steadfast that is certain and steadfast and which enters the presence behind the veil and here's where it lies at 
where the forerunner has entered for us. What's those next two words in your Bible? Even Jesus. Having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, there's so much I could get into with that, but let me just point this out. You and I have to trust in the character of the forerunner. Our hope, to go from uncertain hope to certain hope, we have to trust in the character of the one who has gone before. Because we're, what we're doing with hope is we're saying, look, I don't understand why all of this is happening. And it's better to say I don't understand it than to say it's, it's not happening or God's not doing his part. I don't understand why it's going like this, but that's really not on me. The forerunner has gone before, and I absolutely trust him and have hope in him. If you come up to me and says, well, I just don't see how God's going to do this. And, I, and if, if I said, I probably wouldn't, but if I said, why are you calling Jesus a liar? I wouldn't do that to you. I'd assume hit you before I do that. No, no. No, you're, why are you calling Jesus a liar? Why are you saying? The reason you call Jesus is a liar because you don't know Jesus. Because if you did know who he was and what he has and what he would do, you would never say the things about him that you say. Hallelujah. Well, I don't, I don't know if I like this message, Pastor. Well, I'm just on point one. I'm just giving you the first key. You want to stay in uncertain hope forever. We, we can do that. I mean, we could stay out there in some kind of uncertainty like, well, I hope so, maybe so, well, I wish that. And really, just really di di dissolves down to, I'm just wishing God would do something about this. But what we really need to have is a hope which is tied to the character of the one who has established the promise. You're going to have to work out in your own heart, do you believe that Jesus has paid for your eternity your healing, your permanent relationship with God. you got to figure that out. Until you do figure that out, you'll struggle with the promises because hope is the substance of things. It's the substance. The faith will not work in, a, in an atmosphere where we don't even think the one that said it will actually do it. Do you believe in the one who went ahead? The forerunner who said he cannot lie. He cannot lie. Now, I know for some this will, that probably would aggravate us a little bit, but for others, I think it will be your liberty. Because I think once we settle that, everything changes about how we believe God. Everything changes about how we believe God. When I realize that if I see it in the word of God and God has declared it for me, that it's spoken for me, let's use Matthew 8, 17. He himself bore our sicknesses and carried away our diseases. So if I see that in the word, that Jesus, everywhere he went, those who believed in him were healed. He never took anybody and said, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do it for you. The only one that he sort of did was the Syrian woman who came to him who wanted healing, and she was not of the right persuasion at that point Jesus says I'm called to the children of Israel right now and he didn't stop she did not relent and Jesus 
what did he do? He healed her, healed her daughter for her because he said she had great faith, because she was persistent, because she knew what she needed, Jesus had. And she refused to walk away until she received what Jesus had. She had, as an unbeliever, more, char- more trust in the character and ability of Christ than today's believers even have in Christ. Because she refused to relent her faith that he could do this miracle, he, she refused to let go until he did what he said, what she knew he could do. May our faith be that strong that I know regardless of what's going on around me, the word of God is true and I receive it and it's mine. Whether I experience it or not right now, it's mine today. Now faith is. All right, number two, and we'll stop when we run out of time. Number two is, it talks about in the scripture, or it talks about, excuse me, it talks about having not faith, but mental assent. And this becomes a lock for us. Mental assent, where we just ascend. John Wesley was the one that talked about this. He said, look, the devil has given the church a substitute for faith. It's one that looks and sounds so much like faith that only a few can tell the difference. That substitute is mental assent. And what that means is, is that I agree, but I'm not experiencing it, okay? I agree, but I'm not experiencing it. Now, I'm going to tell you right now a foolproof way that you can move out of mental ascent into faith if we're struggling with that, and that we can truly experience God's divine nature, that God, exactly what God has said in his word. I want you to turn with me to the book of Peter, Second Peter. Second Peter, and uh, I want us to look at uh, chapter 1, if you would. Now, if you have your Bible, I want you to go to this because I want you to see it in your own Bible. Second Peter, chapter 1. And Peter says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in verse 2, in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Okay? In the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Now stop for just a minute. It's important for us to recognize, though, that faith is not knowledge. Faith is just not knowledge. It's not just, you know, knowledge comes through information, right? So faith is not just knowledge. Faith is a gift from God to us through his word. Faith is a gift from God to us through his word. It's his ability. You know when I say a gift, it's something that you do not have without his word in your life. Okay? Look at First Peter or Second Peter chapter 1. All right. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as... As you've received that, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. All right? By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Everybody say divine nature. 
So the promises carry within them the divine nature of God. God and his word are one. Whatever God has said, he's involved in that word. The scripture isn't like the book, you know, like book learning that you, you know, you read Beauty and the Beast. You didn't get faith in Beauty and the Beast. You got a story. The Bible is not just a story. The Bible is God imparting himself to you. Imparting his nature to you. And if we read this correctly, we see that it's not only his divine nature, but it also, in verse 3, is his divine power. You know, I've talked to, I've taught this before here, uh, but it's worth bringing up, at least as we're wrapping up. There are two parts to the word. God's intent and God's power. God always has enough power to back up exactly what he said, his intention. The word carries with it, in it the DNA of what God wants to have happen. All right? The DNA. You know, DNA means that if you have DNA and you apply the resources to DNA, DNA will produce, it's already been decided what that DNA will turn into. All right? It just needs the resources. The resource the believer needs is the divine power. We have the divine nature because we receive the exceeding great and precious promises. But when we receive those promises into our life, it says that what will happen is we will become partakers of the divine nature and will escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. So what will happen, we won't be controlled by this fleshly nature. We will be controlled by the divine nature. See, what lust does to us is, is it makes us upset that we don't have what God said in front of us right now. That's what lust does to us. Lust wants a, what does lust do? It, it makes you want and take. Lust makes you want and take. But what happens is for the believer is, is that our, our physical nature, not divine nature, our physical nature will lust after having what we are believing for. And so we will want it and we will do everything to be able to take it. Abraham, he wanted a child. Did he do things to try to make that happen. Absolutely he did. He endured through some situations because of, those, because of his own lust, his own nature, and his wife's as well. So what you and I do is, is that we partake of the Word. We partake of the Word. Not through our pastor's preaching, but by studying and developing our faith. So, you know, I've shared the testimony with you about uh, one of the young ladies in our church di diagnosed with colon cancer. It was terminal. She was in stage four at the time when they found it. Um, she thought her whole life was wrecked and over with, and that was it. Okay? She came in and said, what do I do? And I said, well, we turn to the Word. We, we look at what the Word says. Now, I said, I'm not telling you to not go through the medical procedures, go through the medical stuff they want to do. You're going to have to figure that out yourself. I'm not, I would never tell anyone to do anything like that. You know, don't go to the doctor or whatever. Don't take your medication. That's, that's wrong. That, I said, but here's what I do need you to do. I need you to make sure that you're putting as much trust in what God has said as you are in what your doctor is telling you. And maybe sometimes even more than what your doctor is telling you. 
Because when she went back, they just said, you know, this is just very far gone. We're not going to be able. But what happened was we got a hold of, and it's a great book, Dodie Osteen's book on, you know, healed of cancer. You know, she was diagnosed with, was it ovarian, which is terminal, um, bad deal. And she would have been gone, you know, within weeks, actually, because it was so bad. And uh, she got out scriptures and started studying them. And uh, when she started studying that scripture and looking at what the word said, faith started building in her heart. And she, because, now watch, because as you're receiving the exceeding great and precious promises, guess what's happening? You're learning about the character of the one who has gone before you. And so now her hope is growing because now she has substance to the hope. It's not just, I, I really hope that God will heal me. She's like, well, gosh, he sure said this a lot in his word. I believe that God's going to do this. I believe God's going to do it. And so I says, well, look, what, how can, as your faith is growing, how can we believe God? And she says, I want to believe that I'm going to go through chemo. I'm going to do the chemotherapy. And that's where her faith was at. And that was fine. And it, because you got to locate where people are at. And she says, I'm going to go through the chemo, and I want you to believe with me I won't be sick, and I want you to believe with me that I won't lose my hair, and that nobody will know, and nobody in this church would know. Nobody would know who this is. And what we agreed on from the Word, and as she got in, and I told her, I said, look, don't you dare give up. You keep those verses in front of you. You meditate in them day and night to observe to do according to all that's written there. And you keep that in front of you. And she started putting those verses out every single day. And she'd go into chemo and she had a prayer. She would read in there that we wrote up for her and, and she would declare the word of God. And I'm not going to lose my hair. I'm going to, you know, God gives me the desires of my heart. I'm not going to lose my hair, all the things. And at the end of it, she never lost a hair. She never lost any weight. She, she, she never was sick. She came out of it totally cancer-free. They just did a PET scan not too long ago. No cancer, completely gone. Stage four, and it's all gone. All right? Now, you say, well, that was the chemo, Pastor. Okay. What about all the people that have had chemo and died? Right? Well, God loves her more than he loves me. That's a flat-out lie. You don't know Jesus. You don't know his character because that isn't how he is. He does what he says he will do. And he is not a respecter of persons. He's not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. Hallelujah. Stand up with me. Thank you, Father God. Now, where are you at now? Where are you at in your faith right now? You know, are you like Abraham? You're just enduring through some stuff? Probably. I mean, I always got stuff I'm enduring through. You know, our bodies are funny things, man. Everything could be going really great, and then, bam. You're like, what? wait, why does my knee hurt all of a sudden, right? What did I do to my neck? I don't even remember doing it. When did I do this, right? Or you have an upset stomach or whatever, you know, your vision's blurry or something, you know. And man, I mean, you could just, I mean, you could just freak out all the time about stuff that's happening to you physically, stuff that's happening to your finances. You know, we'll say stuff like, well, the water heater went out. Well, oh, yeah, my tire blew. But you know, Pastor, when it rains, it pours. Is that where your faith is? Uh-huh. Where's your faith at? 
Well, when it rains, it pours. You know what you just did? You said, yep, when things get bad, I'm just giving them permission to get worse. Oh, I just don't believe that, Pastor. Well, you believe whatever you want to believe. But when stuff starts going wrong and things aren't working out right, here's my declaration. My God provides all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If gas prices go up to 4 bucks, God will give me more so that I'll have enough to buy $4 a gallon gasoline. Can you say amen? And I'm not going to suffer through it. I'm believing God. I'm not going to go, oh, well, you know, gripe and complain. It's probably going to go up to $5. Well, don't give it permission to do that. Be grace, grace to it. Come down, come down, come down. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what faith does. Come on, Jeannie. Hallelujah. You can grab that. There's a mic right there. Thank you, Lord. Word. We've heard a good word today. We've had a word sung over us. What a blessing. Every moment, every day, he knows us, he sees us. We've had a word how to stand and where to respond to it. And just as Pastor was saying what the Lord's laid on my heart the whole time, is Psalms 91, verse 2. I will say of the Lord, I'll say of the Lord, I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge, you are my shelter. I will say of the Lord, you are my shelter and my fortress. I run into you. I am safe in my fortress. I'll say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord in him I'll trust. You are my strong confidence. And we can say the rest of it. He only told me I had to sing verse 2. Glory to God. <laughs> but we, we live here. We say it. We say it as Pastor was saying. We don't dwell on the negative because we dwell in the shadow of the most high and we say of the Lord and we stand on that because we study it and we know it thank you father thank you Jesus thank you Lord awesome Jeannie thank you thank you glory to God close your eyes with me just for a moment so where are you at right now in your faith where are you uh, you know if you're in a spot in your life right now where you're you're you just by the very way you've been saying things you're calling God a liar saying God isn't going to do it for me or he didn't do it for me you need to repent you need to turn what I mean by that is you need to stop doing that and go the other direction you need to realize one you're wrong you're flat out wrong and you need to turn the direction of your mouth and your heart because the Bible tells us the tongue is like a rudder it's a harness on a horse it's a rudder on a ship you're turning your life the wrong direction. And it's not just when you start saying God won't do one thing, then you're starting going to start saying God won't do more things. It never stops. But God is immutable, unchangeable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your miracle has already been established in heaven. We need to declare your kingdom has come your will be done on earth, Lord God, as has already been established in heaven. You already said that, God. You already declared my healing. So I say on earth, be it on earth, as it has already been said and dictated in heaven. I dwell, as Jeannie was singing to us, in the shelter 
of the Almighty. I'm in his shelter. I'm in his protection. I'm under his pavilion. I'm out of the, I'm not in the, I may see the storm, but I'm under the shelter out of the storm under his protection. A thousand, it says in the scripture, may fall at my side and 10,000 at my feet, but it shall not come near me. No matter how much the media is telling us it will. The word is true. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's have our prayer team, if you guys will come. And uh, look, you know, uh, when, I, when, 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 you have, when you're believing God, I realize the challenge and the struggle and the battle, and it, it's tough, and that's why we get people in agreement with us. Laying out of hands is like jump-starting an engine, especially if we get worn out. We just need somebody with faith. Amen? When I'm, when I'm hurting, I don't want to be around someone that's as mealy-mouthed as I am. I want to get around somebody that's going to speak the word, man, is going to say, this is what the, that's why I listen to those messages over and over again, because I know what they're saying is, I know what they're saying, and what they're saying is building faith in my heart. If I keep looking at these circumstances, it's going to keep going down, 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 man. It's going to take me out. So this morning, you know, especially if you're struggling in an area and you need a Bible verse just to encourage you, to help you, these guys can give that to you and uh, be a blessing to you. Hallelujah. Go ahead, Charlie. Oh, amen. Faith. 